ask you after I pray that hopefully it'll be a little bit better than that. Again, let's pray. Father God, just thank you so much for giving us a chance to come uh, before you today, Lord, and worship you. God, we reflect today uh, on, on a dark day in our country, God, but, but we're so thankful for your grace and provision that's brought us to this point so many years later. God, we ask that you continue to work through us, Lord, that we may change this, this place for your kingdom, God. May we be attentive and hear your spirit today, Lord. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah, there you go. Nobody's game went late last night, so we should all be full of energy. Glad to see everybody here this morning. Uh, if you're a guest with us, we want to say welcome. Thank you so much for choosing to join us for worship this morning. If you, if you would uh, please do us a favor and stop by our visitor's table in the back of the sanctuary. We've got a small gift we'd like to give to you just to say thank you for worshiping with us. Uh, tonight we start our Truth University classes. They're discipleship training courses uh, designed to help us be disciples and to look more like Jesus and serve Him better. Uh, there's still time to sign up though, so please be a part of that. Yes, sir. Okay. There's not a single gender class. There's no single gender classes. Uh, all the classes that are offered, there's a couples class, and then there's two individual classes. You can be a part of either of those individual classes. Just because Pam Todd is teaching one does not mean that it's just for ladies, and just because Matt Tucker is teaching one does not mean that it's just for guys. Um, so please. Please take a part. Please take part in those. Uh, students, I'll see y'all here tonight at 6 also. We're going to have a great time of discipleship also. Um, as far as I know, one more thing. This thing called mine. The Young at Heart will be having their uh, function on September 19th. is at 6.30. Um, so please, if you're interested in that, come be a part. We're going to have a great time. It's a great fellowship. We'd love to have we are now going to move into a time of celebrating through baptism. Uh, this is really awesome. Y'all can sit down. Sorry. We changed up the order on me as far as letting y'all stand and sit. So I'm, uh, we're going to celebrate uh, believers' baptism this morning. Uh, anyone who's going to be submerged this morning gave their lives to Jesus, and this is a this is a physical representation of what happened to them spiritually. They died to their old selves and were resurrected to new life in Christ. And so that's something also that we're going to celebrate as we go ahead and pass it over there. never gets old. For as uh, our doctrine, and I believe the scripture teaches us, this represents outwardly in a symbolic form what has already taken place inwardly, spiritually, through Jesus Christ. Being dead in trespasses and sin, trusting Him as our Lord and Savior, repenting of our sins, we're buried in the likeness of His death, and raised in the newness of life. Came here in Sunday school not too long ago. What happened? You were saved. The Lord came into your life and forgave you. And so now, when all this world is over, where are you going? Okay, that's pretty good. I said, you nervous? She said, no. I said, you excited? I'm like, 
In obedience to the great command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in Him, my sister, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Thank you. 
Oh
uh, ushers come forward. Um, we've got a new song that we want to introduce um, to you today. Um, and it's called Great Are You Lord. And the words are going to be up on the screen. Um, so if you want to join in this thing, feel free uh, to do so. Um, the chorus is, it's your breath in our lungs. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour our praise. We pour our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour our praise um, to, um, to you only. That's what we want to do today. Um, we just want to pour our praise um, to Jesus. We're going to pray real quick, and then we'll sing. Lord, we love you. Um, we just thank you uh, for this opportunity to come and worship um, together. Uh, we thank you that you do fill our lungs um, each day with your breath, and you give us the opportunity to get up and to worship you and to serve you wherever we are. Um, we pray that today our time here would be uh, filled with worship, pointing directly to you and honoring uh, only you. Uh, we pray that by giving you our tithes and offerings that we would do so obediently as an act of worship. We pray that as we uh, open up God's word and um, dig in and, and read today and study today that um, we would worship you and, and gain knowledge of uh, who you are and who you called us as your children to be. Uh, if there's people uh, who haven't uh, come to know uh, the God that's mighty to save, uh, the Savior Jesus Christ, we pray that that takes place uh, here today. Um, we just love you, we worship you, we praise your name.
everybody had to bring them. I, I just suspect that, but somebody probably brought them. So we thank God for faithful parents who are bringing their children to grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, you heard me pray. Brother Jimmy Tucker got sick here at Sunday school, and so I want to remember him taking him over to the hospital just to check on him. Be with them. Also, for the German family, uh, we lost one of our brothers in Christ this past Well, we didn't lose them. You don't lose somebody, you know where they're at. Y'all understand it, right? Wake up. Come on. If y'all watched too much football yesterday, uh, you need to just forget all of that. Let's put our eyes on the Lord today. Pray for the German family. Roberts, a memorial service will be this Saturday. Evergreen, a graveside service. And so uh, be, be looking for that. I know that we've already sent out emails. Uh, I knew Randall was pretty old, but now Randall and Joel are grandparents again. And uh, so we're, we're thrilled. Uh, Jordy and Lynette, uh, new baby. And so uh, we praise the Lord for that. A lot of good things. You know, and even the things we don't perceive as good, God is good all the time. Amen? Amen. And so let's pray and seek God and be thankful for what God has blessed us with. I want you to turn to Hosea chapter 8. Hosea chapter 8, the first of the minor prophets. You can go to Daniel and flip over one page. Hosea chapter 8. How many remember where you were 15 years ago? As you've heard me say before, I was in seminary, Luther Rice, and I had just pulled off of campus and was on I-20, headed back into the perimeter, inside the perimeter, going under 285, about this time. Now, a couple of very stark things that stick in my mind. Because I had yet to see a TV. We had no idea what was going on until we walked into chapel and Dr. Flanagan told us what was happening and told us to go back to our classes, have prayer, dismiss, because our churches would need us. And we got into our vehicles, left the campus, and I may have even called Nick and said, I don't know when I'll be home because there is no doubt going to be mass chaos. Because Atlanta is the busiest airport in the world. And the traffic and the snarls of really, you know, rush hour starts about 5 a.m. and ends about 2 a.m. the next morning. And so middle of the day is just as bad as 5 o'clock in the afternoon. As I got on I-20, went about a mile, and all that came to fruition. It was absolutely standstill, full gridlock, door to door, bumper to bumper, and I thought, I may not get home for a week. And then, all of a sudden, went about a mile, took about 20 minutes to go a mile, two miles. It was just a wreck. And it opened up, we started driving speed limit or better, and Went under I-285, and right there is a huge, huge sign. They had just put up about a year before that 
there's an electronic traffic sign that tells you the speeds of every major uh, thoroughfare and how long it will take you to get from this point to that point and anything else. And I'll never forget that as I saw that sign after going through it, it's right there on top of the hill, this huge sign over I-20 was blinking. And with the words on it that was blinking, it said National Emergency. All flights grounded. That's all it said. I went another four to five miles and made it into the outskirts of downtown. And I got around Moreland Avenue. And as I came in that direction going west on I-20, there wasn't a car on the road. It was a ghost town. I thought, my, and, and I don't want to be too cute, but here for just a minute, literally quickly in my head, all of my eschatology and what I thought about the end times was wrong. Because it looks like Armageddon's here. And the rapture didn't take place. Because Lord, I know I'm saved, so I'm going sometime. I must have just been wrong when I was going. But I went home and I became glued to my TV and then my phone started going off and church members were calling me through those next days and weeks and months. If you're like me, you're glued to your television and you watched. They would call a company of firefighters in because they would find remains. Everything in that pile would stop. They would drape that gurney, that basket, that litter in an American flag and escort them out. And it happened over, over, over again. News continued to break and the Pentagon was hit. And there was rumored that there were many other planes that were missing. Many had went to Canada. I had friends that were stranded in California for a week and been on a vacation. They were landing all over the place. Then one crashed in Pennsylvania. And after that original day, another date that will live in infamy, September 11, 2001, the the motto, the theme that rose out of those ashes was never forget. Never forget. But you know, every year, this is kind of a benchmark, 15 years. 13 is not the same. Next year won't be the same. 10, 15, 20. Those numbers, we, we spend a little more time looking at it. There were three guys Friday, three guys Friday from Great Britain who was at the 9-11 memorial for a bachelor party with a blow-up doll taking pictures. How horrendous. They were promptly escorted off the side. We said we would never forget you know that in the three months after 9-11, church attendance went up on average in all denominations across all spectrums, 35%. Y'all probably remember that, don't you? 
You remember people that you hadn't seen in a while. Man, we needed God. We knew that's where we needed to go. And so we came back. Three months later, church attendance was lower than it was on 9-9, which was the Sunday before that dreadful day. I want to ask you this question today as we look in Hosea. We forgot. What are we supposed to be not forgetting anyone? Are we just trying to remember the lives lost? 3,000 lives? Are we just remembering those who, to avoid the flames, left to their death? Are we remembering those faithful firefighters and first responders and police officers and port authority that went in? To those buildings. I watched an interview with a guy that said the last time he talked to the guy, his subordinate, he ordered him into that building. He said, I sent him to his death. Is that what we're supposed to remember? Or are we supposed to remember that there was Muslim extremist terrorists who flew those planes? Who in a very intricate and years-long plan executed it almost to precision so that we continue that fiery vengeance that will rid the world of terrorism. Is that what we're supposed to remember? I would pose to you today the thing that we should never forget is God. And possibly, and I am not saying that any one person in those buildings, on the plains, in the Pentagon, or in Pennsylvania, did anything specific to cause that. But I can tell you that all of us and all of them deserve exactly what happened because of sin. The wages, you didn't like that. I know you didn't like it because I don't like to hear it. Here's the truth. God's Word said the wages of sin is death. The wages, what we earn by being born sinners and living in sin. You say, I don't sin. You just did. And the fact that you denied the truth. My friends, we all fall short of the glory of God. There's some wonderful people in this world, but none, none have reached the glory of God. You say, but nobody deserves that. Who's to say that? And so my point today is I want us to look at probably one of the strangest stories of all the Bible. And I'm not going to look as much, but I want to set the tone. Hosea was the prophet of God. He responded. Now, if you ever feel like you're being obedient to God, and God just keeps leading you to a mess, and so why, why bother? I want you to think about old Hosea. God, I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to go to church. I teach Sunday school. And all this stuff still happens. Hosea was faithful. Hosea prophesied. Hosea prayed. Hosea loved the Lord. And for 
a blessing for a reward that God gave Hosea. He said, I want you to go marry a prostitute. Really? Really, God? That's what you got for me? You know, when we tell our kids, God's got somebody special for you. We start looking for them, don't we? We're like, hey, she may be the one. He may be the one. Hey, you know, he's sharp, he's smart, he's got a good job. She, she works hard, she's beautiful. You know, everybody likes her and likes him. Can you imagine? Hosea says, Mom, I want you to meet the government. And, you know, Mom's trying to be nice, most of them. And they look kind of, hey, hey, you going to work Jose, can I talk to you for just a second? What in God's name are you doing, son? Do you not know what kind of woman? Yeah, yes, I do. Then what are you doing? God told me to. Son, you have lost your ever-loving mind. What did you eat last night to think God would tell you that? But we read Scripture, He did, didn't He? Did he? Y'all, yeah. this is in the Old Testament. And though they're called minor prophets, do not mean, it does not mean that it's minor insignificance. It is a picture of Hosea living the message God's going to give him that the land of Israel, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people would commit adultery and live and sell themselves on the altar of this world rather than be the faithful bride of the Father. It is a picture, a type and shadow of the church of the living God being the bride of Christ and yet we live in adultery to the one who redeemed us. Jesus is our near kinsman redeemer. He is the one who has paid the price to redeem us out of slavery and out of sin and yet we go a whoring after the things of the world. And we wonder why does these things befall us? Have we forgotten? Have we forgotten what we was and where we came from? Have we forgotten when some preacher asked us in the baptistry, have you been born again and your testimony was true? Yes, Lord, save me. Have we forgotten our God? I'm not going to answer it. I'm going to let you answer it in your life. I can answer it for you. I can answer it as far as our culture. I can answer it for our country. Yes. Yes, we have forgotten it. We've forgotten it when people are more worried about microaggressions because we don't want to offend anybody. We must all be tolerant except Christians cannot be tolerant. God, we will not tolerate your intolerance, which is a complete self-refuting argument. We don't want to listen to anything about pro-life. It's a woman's choice. We don't want to hear anything about homosexuality. It's a person's choice. It's the way they were born, my friends. God's word still stands true. And the sad case is the church of the living God has gotten tired. We've gotten tired of standing for what is right. It's just easier to be quiet and not say anything. It's easier to go to church, hang with our buddies, stay away from the world, not say anything, and say that's their business. 
God says the people in our realm of influence is our business. Then he sent us to be salt, to be light in a dark and unsavory world. I don't know about you, but a saved person told me about Jesus, not a lost person. Somebody who loved Jesus enough that they loved me and knew that Jesus died for me. We see in chapter 8, verse 14, for Israel has forgotten his maker. Now I want you to just stop and think. This is right about the same time as Jeremiah. Hosea was a prophet to the northern kingdom, the ten tribes. He prophesied what was coming. Therefore, he was not a very popular prophet. Matter of fact, all through Scripture, they kill prophets. They didn't like prophets. You know what? They killed the message. Same thing today. We don't want to hear what Daddy says when Daddy's right. When Daddy says the only way to do it is work hard, you can, there's not any. We don't want to hear that. When Daddy says you got to do it, Mama says, well, I'm not tolerating that. You're going to be home at this time. You're going to do it this way. We don't want to hear all that. We don't want to hear a teacher. And now we think we've got rights and we can talk. Uh, it boggles my mind when a 14-year-old thinks that they can stand up because they have rights, because they disagree with what a person of authority, whether it be a police officer or a teacher, says to them. Well, they just, I don't agree with them. Get over yourself. You think all through life people's going to agree with you? That people's just going to come running to you and say, I want you to work for me and you do whatever you want. I will never say anything to you. And it is simply born out of our rebellion to a holy God that is the Lord of all. And we must bow at His feet. We don't want to do that. We will say, I want to worship you and feel good and do good. But I want to do my thing. He says in verse 1, we see the end of the chapter, Israel has forgotten his maker. My friends, America, the, and let me say more specifically, lost people can't forget what they didn't know. Let me say that again real slow. I don't mean that condescending. I want you to hear this. Lost people cannot forget what they never knew. We're not looking for revival in the White House. That's not how God does it. God sends revival to the church house. Then the church house sends believers to the White House. The church sends believers to the community, to the courthouse, and the hen house, and the outhouse, and the big house, and the little house, and the whole houses. Church, we have forgotten our maker. We have buckled under the pressures of conformity, and pluralism, and relativism, and humanism. Said in verse 1, set the trumpet to your mouth. He shall come like an eagle against the house of the Lord. Because they have transgressed my covenant. And they have trespassed 
against my law. Now it's very important to understand something about this first curse. You see, in the matters of forgetting, have we forgotten our place? As I've just described, I believe we have. But first of all, there's two words that seem very familiar and very similar. That is transgression and trespass. To transgress and to trespass. Yet they are opposite ends of the spectrum dealing with the same thing. Notice what he said. They have transgressed my covenant. They have trespassed against my law. First of all, the word transgression literally means to go over and away from God. Think of it as drawing a circle. And in that circle is God's will and the presence of God. And God says, stay in this circle. Okay, y'all got that picture? And there's a place for us that God has placed us. But what he tells us is we have transgressed. We have gone over and away from God. We have gone away from truth. We have gone away from holiness. We have left the place of God. We've transgressed. We've went out. We said, well, I, you know, got it. And you know what? You know, we tell, you ever said to a kid that their parents says, don't do that. Don't, don't go out that day. Don't, don't go out that day. And they do this. Just seeing if you really, I'm going to back up what you said. If you go out that door, I'm going to wear you out. Now, on a completely different topic, if you tell, do it. Because if you don't, then. Because if you won't do it then, then you won't do it the next time. tell, well, that's us before God. God says, don't leave this circle. There's danger out there. There's damage. There's rebellion. There's disobedience. And ultimately, there's death. And we want to play with it. We want to play with it. We want to see how much we can get away with it. That is transgression. Trespass means, think about that circle now, but outside that circle, there's the circle of sin. Inside that circle, there's the most beautiful looking things, beautiful looking people, and all the fun of life. And when we trespass, and rebel against his law. It means to go over and into. To transgress is to go over and away from God. Trespass is to go over and into rebellion and sin. He said you have transgressed and you have trespassed. This is our place that we have forgotten. We've forgotten where God has placed us for such a time as this. You're a leader at each side. You don't have to be told to come to church. You're expected to. You're expected to come to Sunday school. You're expected to come on Sunday night. I mean, if you're going to teach Sunday school, lead worship, pastor, you ought to be here on Sunday night. You ought to be setting the example. You ought to be here if you can to pray and to worship and serve God on Wednesday night. You to, if you're not in prayer meeting, then you ought to be serving somewhere else. If you're not providentially hindered. So I just don't find that about. Listen, are you trying to argue about not 
to be with the family of God and God blessing you? Really? The Bible tells us that if we love Him, we'll love His people, we'll want fellowship, and we'll want to grow and be everything God wants us to be. Stop looking at it from the perspective you got to, look at it as you get to. Anybody walk to church this morning? <laughs> Karen, I, that's the first one I thought. Karen will walk. She lives behind the church. Ron, I see your front door, son. If you didn't walk in, you'd have a talk. Nobody else did, did they? But for the most, you all know, where do you live? You live back over here? Not too awful far. Get your directions right, son. <laughs> but hey, I'm proud. I'm proud you got a walk. But my point is, most of us didn't have to be able to walk church. Most of us, the biggest problem we have is trying to figure out what we're going to wear. It's funny to you really think about it. Hey, some folks put on all they had today and walk for hours to get to a place of worship. Church, we have forgotten the place that God has placed us. Have we forgotten our past? He said, verse 2, Israel will cry unto me, My God, we know you. You ever say, hey, I know you. I, I know you. I had one of those moments and I constrained myself from saying it out loud. We were in the World War II Museum in New Orleans, Louisiana. And we're strolling through and we're looking at all. And I'm just, you know me. I was a kid at King's for me because I was like, can we go get something to eat or do something? I said, but baby, look, this is, I mean, this is a medal of honor that was hung around this person's neck. This is a diary of a, of a medic that was on Okinawa. I mean, look! Do you not? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and we're walking to the lobby and we're fixing to go out. And so there's a little place and there's some steps. And so I get about right here and I see a guy, a couple kids coming up. And this guy's in there and he so We come up this close and I look and I'm like, and I almost said, dude, you're Jesus. And I stopped. And it was Jim Caviezel, the person of interest that played Jesus in the passion. And I elbowed back and I said, it's Jesus. <laughs> and though I didn't say, hey, I know who you are, I did go over and I said, this is who I am. I'm a Southern Baptist pastor. Jim, I, it's wonderful you meet you. I won't take up any of your time to you're here with the boys. But I want to thank you for the role you played in that. And for the most part, I didn't say most part, I said that the movies I've watched, we love personal interest. I don't hear a bunch of the bad language and other things and stuff about you. I don't know his whole background. But I, I wanted to just kind of bridge it as a testimony. Playing Jesus is pretty important. Doing it right. Well, these people were looking over and they're pointing, hey God, we know you. Why do you want to come up against us? Man, you're our, you're our God. Come on now, he's up. 
know, we squad all that business. They said, hey, they'll crowd at me. My God, we know you. Israel has rejected good. The enemy will pursue him. You see, they were living in yesterday. They have God. They, they had a God that rescued them out of bondage. They had a God that led them through the wilderness. There was a God that gave them the promised land where they're at. There was a God that established the 12 tribes. He was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of Joseph, the God of David. But they have over and over and over rebelled and left him, but yet still want to say, hey, we know you. They were living in yesterday. Are we living today the way we once did for Jesus? Or have we forgotten? Have we forgotten what it felt like to be close-knit with Him walking after the Spirit, not after the flesh? Praying without having to stop and really think about it. That in everything you pray, and you remember a time when everything you sought God's Word and you sought God's will for your family and for your church. You sought God to empower you to go tell people. And it's been years since you've ever expressed your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe it's been a few years. You were faithful in high school. You were faithful in youth. And now you can't be found hardly. You're ashamed. You're, you're, you hide the truth because you don't want anybody to say anything wrong to you. And you must stand up and be named among the redeemed. Have we forgotten? Past. So we just live in yesterday. And in so doing, we forsake the good. He said, Israel has rejected good. Can I tell you something today? Because a lot of this is real heavy. God has a plan for you. And it's very clear. He even says it in this terms in Jeremiah 29. It's for good. God has a good plan for your life if you'll trust Him. Right now, some of you fighting depression, despondency. You're fighting questions about family and finances, about relationships and job situations. You're, you're wondering, why do I even exist? I've got news for you. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the only begotten Son, came to this earth because the Father loved you so much. He gave His life a ransom for men. God has a plan for you that's good. It's good. But we must not forget it. It's just easy. No more creatures have had it. It's the same old stuff. Same old stuff. Y'all sit in the same spot you did last week. Park in the same spot. You know, eat the same thing. Do the same stuff. We are all creatures of heaven. That's how we kill deer. They're creatures of heaven. They're going to do things a certain way, go a certain way. We know where they're going. We know where, and, and Satan knows where we're going to go because we're creatures of heaven. We fall into these ruts. We need to wake up. Rise up. Come out of the ruts. Stop forgetting our past. If we forget it, forgotten, how pitiful our substitutes can be 
He said in verse 4, They set up kings, but not by me. They made princes, but I did not acknowledge them. From their silver and gold, they made idols for themselves, that they might be cut off. Your calf is rejected, O Samaria. My anger is aroused against them. How long, how long until they attain to innocence? For from Israel is even this. A workman made it, and it's not God. But the calf of Samaria shall be broken to pieces. Listen, we have our pitiful substitutes. He said in verse 4, You set up kings, but not by me. It's kings of preference. We want who we want. What did they tell them? God says, You don't want a king. They said, Yes, we do. To know you don't, we're going to take your wives and your sons and your daughters. Yes, we do. No, you don't. They're going to take your land. They're going to take your money. Yes, we do. We want to be like them. Is that not what they said? My name is old school. Buddy, I, if I heard it once, I heard it a thousand times. If they jumped off the mountain, would you jump off too? If they wouldn't jump off the bridge, would you jump off too? Because I said, but Daddy, they're doing it. But Daddy, they're going there. But Daddy, but Daddy, listen, God said, you do not want an earthly king. I'm your king, and I'm bigger and better than all the rest. They said, yes, we do. He said, okay. Psalms said they granted their request but sent leanness into their soul. Sometimes we pray prayers that we wish God would not have answered. Amen? And we have kings of preference. We said we want that because that will pad our pocket. We want her because she will give us this. We want him because he'll do this for us. I have friends that work in the church minister relations office of the Georgia Baptist Convention. And their job is to go in when churches are without pastors and the council, if they're invited, and help them build, you know, put together search committees and hire interims and all that kind of stuff. And some of the horrors that I hear, that it becomes a power grab in that vacuum. And people that have been sitting there waiting for their moment rise up. There was a pastor recently in Alabama that it became national news, really, that he went out and began to invite, encourage, and I mean on fire for God, and began to bring in a lot of visitors for vacation Bible school. Bus them in, he was driving, picking them up. And I mean, they had doubled the size of a small little country church. Doubled the size. For the problem of the OHs, at first it was like, boy, this is exciting. Boy, he's working, he's doing. Until they looked. And the congregation was not the color of And they trumped up and said, oh, well, he don't visit enough. 
Good grief, he brought half the church, led them to the Lord. How's it not been? Oh, well, you know. And it became this moving target. And they fired him. They fired him. We want kings that's going to tell us what we want to hear. Give us what we want to have. And we're willing to sacrifice our freedoms in Christ for it. That's just the truth. Kings of preference. He said, they made princes, but I did not acknowledge them. The princes of pleasure. We like this. We, we become fascinated with people who are famous. And we make them princes of our lives. And we want to be like them. And we want to sound like them. And we want to do like them. I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me, young people. Look out there. If you want a hero, you want somebody to follow, you want somebody to look after, look at, you look at these senior adults who lived their lives faithfully for the Lord, who's been married 60 years. That's who you want to live like. Not somebody that's been married seven times and they're looking for their next ex-husband. Not somebody who figures they're going to go to rehab so much, they just invest and buy. Deep in the bottom. <coughs> that they've got opinion about how everything's wrong except their own lives. And they die of drug overdoses and alcohol poisoning and every kind of other decrepit, sinful way you can die. You know, as Christians, yeah, Christians die like that too a little bit. But what I'm trying to tell you is there's godly people that you need to be setting up to look at in your life. Follow that which is right. Not princes. Pleasure. Idols of popularity. You know what they did? They had two kingdoms, right? How the kingdoms end up? How they end up with two kingdoms? Do you remember? You may know. They couldn't get along. And this is God's family. They couldn't get along. Sounds like about every family here. Somewhere along the way, you know, if I can't handle it, you can't handle it. You know, it becomes so tense. Well, it ends up the kingdom split after Solomon. He had a wicked king, brothers, and they're fighting Jeroboam and Rehoboam and all of them, and, and the king split. But the one thing they could agree on, hey, we're still going to worship, so you know what they did? They made them golden idols that it was supposed to represent God. Listen, do you see any idols here today? Look around this place and tell me one thing that gives away why we're here. There's two, but I know it. And I don't think there's any more. See the other? That and this. And yes, it's a church up there, but if all that was up. We're not, we don't do that. We're iconoclastic. We don't hang stuff everywhere. 
and, and symbols and all that because we believe that Christ dwelleth within us and we walk in His power and His glory and in a personal relationship. They said that's not enough that we've got a place in Jerusalem. We want a place in Dan. We want a place in Bethel. And so they just set them up two idols to represent God in the two kingdoms. Can I tell you something? So I just don't believe the Bible says it that way. And I don't believe the Bible is for me in this way. And the Bible is not for any private interpretation. If you don't get to worship God how you want, when you want, where you want. He's God, you're not. Idols. Idols of popularity. We want, we want it to be comfortable. You know we, we don't want to be put out to worship God. So what's our prognosis? Everybody wants to know what the future holds. Everybody, I, I mean, every church I've ever been to, and I, I've never done it. Everybody wants to study Revelation. Hey, preacher, what you do is study on the book of Revelation. I'm all for that. I really am. But I think we need to understand the Gospel of John before we do Revelation. Because if you don't understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Lamb of God that taken away the sin of the world, if you don't understand that He's the King of kings and Lord of lords, it's not going to matter how it all ends up in the end because you're going to die in your head. And it's not going to matter what goes on during the rapture. It's not going to matter what goes on in the millennial reign if you're not a child of the King. So I think we need to stay with the basics. And then we can move up into Revelation. But you can't read Revelation until you read Daniel and Ezekiel and the Minor Prophets. You can't read Hebrews until you read Leviticus. You've got to understand there's an old before there's a new. But we need to understand what our prognosis is. He said in verse 7, They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. The stalk has no bud. It shall never produce meat. If it should produce, aliens would swallow it up. Our prognosis shows that through our wasted energy, sowing to the wind, there's an empty harvest of the whirlwind. Why do you think our churches are declining, plateaued, half empty? 159 in Sunday school and 1,000 enrolled. Why? A lot of wasted energy. We're sowing to the wind and reaping the whirlwind. We won't worship to be what we want it to be rather than Christ-honoring and self-refuting. Putting ourselves down so that Christ would be lifted up. Wasted energy equals empty harvest. It's red testimonies. He said in verse 8, Israel is swallowed up. Now they are among the Gentiles like a vessel in which is no pleasure. Jeremiah described this as empty vessels that can hold no water. We are empty vessels because of our wicked testimonies. If you come to Eastside Baptist Church, even on a Sunday morning, people see you leave church or leave home. They see you leave your dorms. They see you leave work to come on Wednesday night. And after a while, they'll either say, where are you going? Or they just understand, by your testimony, you're going to church. But then you live like the devil on Friday night. 
cold Tuesday morning, and when Wednesday comes around, you're miserable, tired of the work week, and you talk like the devil, act like the devil, and you absolutely, positively wreck your testimony. You become an empty vessel that can hold no water. And you're of no good. He said that our prognosis begins as wild animals. He said, for they have gone up to Assyria like a wild donkey alone by itself. Wild animals equals empty lives. We're just running around like a wild man. With no direction, no care, do whatever we want. And the Bible tells us in the New Testament that men not only do that, but take great pride in it. Look at me. I'm wild and free. I can do whatever I want, say whatever I want, drink whatever I want, do whatever I want, be whatever I want, and nobody can say anything to me because I have rights. I got news for you. You got a right to die and go to hell in your stupidity. If you won't fall on your face before a holy God and acknowledge His Son is the only way. And as a believer, you have a right to die in rebellion because you won't serve Him. You say, this is hard, preacher. I'm going to tell you something. Hard times calls for hard words and hard messages. And the reality is we're living a carnal life and we have sowed to the wind and America is reaping the whirlwind. We're running around like wild donkeys without any direction. Any of you ever been to Cumberland Island? You seen the horses? How many of you rode one? You can't. If you've got one pinned up and thought you would, you'll wish you never got on its back. Because they're wild. And that's what he said Israel had become. Church, I'm telling you, as a picture of us, we've become wild in the fact that we're going to do whatever we want. Why is it that when the staff of the church starts planning church calendar, we've got to plan around summer, holidays, school activities, ball practices, ball, and it, church and worship. You say, well, church is church. Church is what Jesus died for, folks. Church is important. Jesus didn't die for the parachurch ministry. He didn't die for the televangelist channel. He didn't die for the ball team. He died for His children. The church of the living God. And we're about seven on the list of priorities. Ryan and I was sitting down, Michelle and I, Joel would come in, we're like, what about let's do this? Well, we can't. We got this, we got that. First thing we do when we start playing in church is we get all the church calendars, I mean school calendars, we get all that because we do our dead level bed, and then people still complain. Why'd you want to plan that? Like that. Well, you know what? If we follow that line of questioning, we won't do anything. The problem is that's about where we're at. If we don't get back to remember what this is all about. Church, let me finish. Wild animals equals empty lives. But he said in verse 11, Because Ephraim has made many altars for sin, they have become for him altars for sinning. Wicked altars equals empty lives. 
We pray, oh God, give me a new car. Oh God, give me more money. And we say, oh look, what a blessing. God's giving me a new Harley Davidson. Oh, I'm so glad God has blessed me with a big house that I can't afford. Come on, Jenny, right there for you. They rings your phone. Amen, preacher. You're but that's the truth. That's why our economy is so messed up. Because our young folks are getting out of school. They, they're living in the age of entitlement. They look at somebody who's been married 60 years, 40 years. Somebody who's worked hard all their life. They've invested. They have saved. And they've bought a few other things. And they think, well, I've got a right to do that. I deserve that. And so now, it's about stopping getting your free cricket phone. It's about going into debt. It's going to take you 20 years to pay for four years of college. But the answer is not free college. Because then we all got to pay for it. I don't have a problem paying for mine. You pay for yours. I work for mine. You work for yours. But don't put yourself in a hole. Listen, young people. Don't get married and being so stinking in debt that you've got to eat popcorn for breakfast, drink water for lunch, and swell up for supper. I can testify, listen to me now, even ramen noodles get tiresome after a while. You hit the wall. I mean, you hit that noodle wall. I mean, Ethan, he's figured out seven ways to Sunday to doctrine things up. Change but at the end of the day, they still ramen noodles. Y'all see the picture with the ramen noodle tractor trailer wrecked, spilled all its cargo out on the road. Had a complete loss of 38 cents. <laughs> but we buy us a house. We got a house that we need to need two new cars. We're going to have a new car. And we need to keep a camper. If we're going to have a camper, we're going to build a lake. That means we need a boat. If we're going to have a boat, we need some jet skis. If we got that, then we got to have this. We got to have that. We got to have the other. And before long, you say, I can't tie. God just knows my heart. Yeah, God knows your heart. God knows you're so selfish and wrapped up in your worldly deal that you are stealing from God to make payments on a lawnmower. Bruce, I'm sorry if you're here. <laughs> I mean, you go, and I'm like, really? Really? You're going to take out a loan for 120 months on the TV? Really? Church, wicked altars, bowing at the altar of money, popularity, things, equal empty worship. Let me remind you of something real quick. I'll close. God blessed us as we got to pay off all our loans. We weren't to know Easter. We're making budget. Is that good enough? We've been making payments for years. We should be so far in the black looking because look, for just a second, Kimmy, all right? Everybody that's 21 years old and down, stand up. You're 21 years of age and down, stand up. 
This is why we ought to be given to the building program. Statement standing. This is why we need to be moving forward. This is why we do not say, hey, we've got it all paid off. This is good enough. Is that what the plan was when this was built? Was this all that there was going to be? Mary and Marilyn said no. That's the only ones that told me. They said no. They remember. This was not all that it was supposed to be. Is there other things that we can do for Christ? Is there other things we can impact our community with? In church, we've got to look not at our lives, but at theirs. So I'm old, I can't teach. They need us. Amen. Don't be sick. Church, empty worship's got to stop. Here's his plea. Turn over to chapter 14. Hosea's a dark-headed book now. Gomer kept going off, and he went pleading and pleading and pleading. She wouldn't come back. And he was back and forth. Well, here's what God said. In chapter 14, O Israel, just a way of speaking with great compassion. He said, Oh, Israel, my, my, my child, return to the Lord your God. For you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the, You can't just say to yourself, you know what, I'm just going to turn over you and leave we are. He said, take words with you when you come to the altar. He said, take words and return to the Lord. Say to Him, take away all my iniquity. Receive us graciously. For we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. First of all, in verse 1, we must return. Verse 2, He said, we need to repent. Verse 3, says we ought to reflect. Assyria will not save us. We will not ride on their horses, nor will we say any more to the work of our hands, you're our God. For in you the fatherless finds mercy. Oh God, it's not by me. It's not by my power. It's not by our might. We cannot do it. We need to reflect. And then verses 4 through 9, I will heal their backslide. I will love them freely. For my anger has turned away from him. I will be like the beauty of Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be like an olive tree. And his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim will say... What have I to do anymore with these idols? I have heard and observed them. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them. Transgressors stumble in them. If they come to the instruments this morning, have we forgotten He's God or not? Hey, have we forgotten that He's the holy God that demands holiness? Have we forgotten that Jesus gave His life for us? He died for us. We ought to live for Him. Have we forgotten all the pain and misery that comes with sin and destruction? Have we forgotten our past? We've forgotten what will happen 
we don't follow Him. Church, I'm pleading with you this morning. Let us be able to say today, the altar, Father, may I never forget. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He has washed it. White as snow. You need to come and do business with God. You need to get away from your altar and come to His and say, Lord, save me. Forgive me of my sins. I call out before you today and say, it's not anything I can do. Lord, change my life. You're saved, but you're living in rebellion. You're worshiping at the altar and with the princes and kings of the world. You need to come forsake them all. Lay them at His feet. Let them change your life. Stand and come. Without hesitation. Come to His belief. Come. Come to Jesus. The last, the last song we did in church. Sorry. Firefighters 
have uh, this really obnoxious noisemaker on them as a beacon that if they stop moving for a certain amount of time, it starts beating. And they said once the buildings failed, everything does settle for a moment, everything was quiet. All they could hear was the eerie sound of those beacons going off all over the place. And so those guys would literally with their hands, that's the only way they, in buckets, they began digging, picking up stuff, digging. And they would stay hour after hour, day after day. And they wouldn't even go home. I saw one guy, he said, I, he said, I called home a week ago and I told her when I get done, I'll let her know. But she knows I'm here and I'm not leaving. There's people in there. We're going after them. Church, there's family members and friends and neighbors. They're in the rubble of this world called sin. They're dying on their way to hell. It's time that we're willing to give that extra moment. An extra hour. And our energy level goes up to reach our own cause. I love chapter 14. As bad as everything else sounded, chapter 8, verse 14, says, come back and I love you. I love you. Hosea love come. God loves us. May we turn to him before it's too late. Katie, will you come? Guys, will you come down here real quick? We want to give you a certificate of baptism suitable for fun. Just as a recognition of this special day, Eastside Baptist Church, it just says that it certifies that you're baptized. Uh, on this day uh, at Eastside Baptist Church has scripture on here and we just love all of you and we're, we're thankful Amen. for your testimony and courage to make a stand for Christ. Tyquay Sakari okay. God bless you. We're so proud of you. Come, shake hands with them, let them know you're praying for them. Family members, as we begin to pray, you just slip down and stand with them if you'd like. And just let them know that you're praying for them, church. Visitors, you're our guest today. May God bless you. Come back and worship with us again. Tonight we'll start small groups. It'll be great. And it's for men and women. And so, uh, and our children and our youth. Uh, don't forget our prayer requests. Anything else? All right, there's nothing else. Those feel like you just <coughs>